Um, so the mission statement at the marketplace is uh, to bring joy to the Camino Island community through food, service, and drink. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 91 of the Camino Voice. Today, we turn the tables and I get interviewed again here on the Camino Voice. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I get interviewed again uh, by two former uh, Camino Voice podcast guests, uh, Lydia Crouch and Emily Harmon Waterloo. Uh, so they're going to interview me today on the podcast. You'll get to hear a little bit of what we went through and what we did during COVID, um, what changes we made during that, um, kind of how things are and kind of state of the union where we are now. Um, and a little bit more about my history. So anyways, hope it's interesting um, and that I don't bore you. No, it should be good. All right. <laughs> Without further ado, here's my conversation with myself and Lydia and Emily. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. And today uh, we've done this once before, but we're going to do it again. Um, we're going to turn the tables uh, and go over a little bit of uh, have someone else or actually two people in this case interview me for the podcast. So um, welcome to the podcast, Emily and Lydia. They're both former podcast guests. Um, so welcome. Thanks. Nice. Happy to be here and happy to turn the tables. It's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. So just to start off, Brandon, if you could give us a bit of an overview um, of your life, maybe since graduation from high school and where you've been and what you've been doing and how you're back here on the island. Okay, cool. Um, so I don't want to start back when I was a little tiny baby and all that. I mean, I'm sure you were cute, but let's just <laughs> skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I started out, um, I mean, after high school, um, I, if you guys have heard like podcasts with my wife, we kind of went through some of this stuff too, but, uh, so jump, ch check out those podcasts for a deeper dive into this. But, um, basically went to college, uh, at Wazoo and, um, after we lived there, well, first went to Everett Community College, then Wazoo, so transferred there, got a mechanical engineering degree, um, worked at a few different engineering companies, and then um, that kind of dragged me all over the place. Uh, like I did a short uh, eight-month stint in North or South Carolina, living over there with the family, uh, came back and... Um, Ended up leaving the engineering field and kind of was figuring out what to do next. And so, um, you know, I was talking with my dad about career choices and things like that. And then um, a new project was starting up, so decided to jump on board with that. And he said, um, you know, let's see how this project goes together. And then if this goes well, then we'll continue on. Uh, and so that was a project that took me down to Guatemala for a few months. Um, mm. I was going down back and forth to Guatemala uh, about a week out of every month. And um, so we were launching Frozen Explosion down there, which was one of my dad's uh, companies that he owned at, the, at that time. Um, and then after that project resolved, um, I jumped on to opening the ice cream shop in the marketplace. And that was that, my real first project for the marketplace that I started doing. And, um, and then from there, it just kind of kept growing. And so we kept, I kept doing more projects within the marketplace and then... Um, yeah, then eventually took over as the manager of the marketplace, and now I'm here. So your dad is Jeff Erickson. Yeah. And um, as people who mm. know or don't know Jeff, very gregarious, fun, but super entrepreneur, dreamer. Um, what was his vision for starting Camino Commons? What, how did that? Yeah. So that was actually, uh, so he started that with, it was actually more of a, an offspring of <clears throat> what his main business was, which was Camino Island Coffee Roasters. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, my brother-in-law and sister, so TJ Fittis and Destiny Fittis, um, own Camino Island Coffee Roasters and purchased that from my dad. So that's actually completely a separate company, but really a sister company to us now. Um, and then my wife and I purchased Camino Commons Marketplace. Um, so with the Camino Commons, the, the entire area, though, um, he was going to be building a new coffee roasting facility. So he was roasting coffee out of a barn on our property um, on Tillicum Way. 
I and remember that. I used to take my babies in strollers and smell the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I used to walk by your house. Yeah. <laughs> coffee with a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we started it, or he started it in a little barn on our property, and then it, um, you know, outgrew that space. And so he was like, well, we really need to get a, you know, commercial building where we can actually really kick out production and stuff. So then um, through talking with some local uh, real estate um, brokers, uh, Mike Nestor, who was also on the podcast, was a big part of that um, in getting my dad to bite on that of buying this property. And so my dad was like, yeah, I think we can do it. Um, I don't know if at that time or not, uh, Mike told him that like two or three other people had tried to do something here and had been shut down. Um, And so Mike was just like, well, let's throw another person into the ring. Um, so anyways, was able to do that. And, but in that process kind of figured out that to do build a septic system for a single roaster coffee roaster building, um, was just as much work as making a really big septic system so that he could put all these commercial buildings. So it started out as a single faceted, I'm just going to build a coffee roaster and that's going to be my building to, well, if it's just as much work, let's just build a bunch of buildings, commercial buildings around it. I'll sell those off and I'll just work in my little coffee roaster. Um, and so that's what his intentions were. Um, and so that's what kind of happened with, with Camino Commons is it was kind of a, a secondary thing of hmm. what the coffee roaster was doing. Um, and, you know, long story short, eventually all the buildings ended up coming back to him. And so then we started kind of planning more as a full... Um, like a full vision for the commons instead yeah, of just community complex kind of yeah, thing. Instead yeah. of just the single faceted part. So, and for those who don't know, um, the whole Island mm. is on septic, which means that you, it's well water and everything has to be processed here on the Island. There's no city takeaway, no, you know, so everybody has to be super careful and, and environmentally conscious about it. So it's not just a small thing when we talk about septic systems, yes. not romantic, but it's a really, normal part of our life to talk about yeah um so trivia how old were you when you started drinking coffee um i was actually uh not really started drinking coffee until i was in college probably at wazoo i would say um so you know 1920 ish because um before then i would drink coffee here and there for little things um and I would drink coffee at like fairs if I was working a fair or something mm-hmm, like that. I mm-hmm. would put a ton of sugar and cream and everything <laughs> in it. Um, and so anyways, yeah, I didn't really start drinking coffee until I was into college. And, uh, you know, a lot of late nights and a lot of early mornings. and Necessity. Um, yes. So they all kind of <laughs> led to that. Um, and then, you know, started again with like really lots of sugars and creams mm-hmm, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then kept devolving into now it's just basically coffee and cream. So Oh, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, not quite straight black yet on coffee. <laughs> I in my opinion, you never have to go there. <laughs> so you, you go where your happy spot is, and you're just gonna stick with it. Exactly. <laughs> so, Brandon, now that you're here, as you say, the owner of the marketplace, what does that look like? Like, give us an in a day. Of being the owner of the marketplace, what could or does happen in that 8, 10, 12 hours that you're there? Yeah. So, I mean, just like in any other business owners out there, they they kind of know this already. Like when you own a business, you're everything from the top all the way to the bottom. And so anything that happens in between there, like you're jumping in and fixing or helping or whatever that looks like. So um, because of that, I my day goes anywhere from like, answering emails with different clients or different, um, you know, I, I work with my other managers to see how the departments are doing. Um, and then they let me know of little, any issues or any things that we need to work on or get fixed or maybe new products they want to bring in, um, how the team overall team is doing in their department. So we kind of go over all of those different things. Um, you know, a lot of emails back and forth. Um, we don't really have a dedicated like marketing team. So my wife does a lot of it. Um, and, and then Emily does a lot of the scheduling of that stuff. And so I help out here and there on that stuff. Um, and then planning new things, getting events going. Um, I try and stay really connected with the community leaders, I would say, within the community. So, like, I'm on the board of the Chamber of, uh, Commando Chamber of Commerce. Um, so I work closely with a lot of the chamber members there. Um, and some of the local businesses, so like Marla and Randy Hegel, I try and see what they're doing and keeping up with them. 
Um, and, uh, you know, Sally Prey's got a big event coming up here. So I, I work with all of them to kind of make sure everything's working together. Um, but like last week, um, we have a new penny squisher machine, not new now, but we've had it for a while. I finally have been trying to get it to work, uh, but we have a penny squisher machine. So like those ones that you see in Seattle and stuff that have, you know, the Space Needle and Mount Rainier on them. So I made, uh, we designed four Kameno themed ones that we have. Um, <clears throat> but ever since getting the machine, uh, I've been having issues getting it to work. And so last week it was like, it wasn't working at all. So then it was... I spent that week trying to <laughs> fix it. And by the end of the week, we were able to get it working. So it's now fully operational. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really just kind of fill holes as needed. Um, you know, you'll sometimes see me on the line just serving pastries, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I've jumped back, washed dishes and scooped ice cream. And, you know, I kind of do the whole gambit of stuff on that. But, um, yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, we also have the commons, which is, you know, the buildings that are around. And so... Um, my brother-in-law and I help manage that for my dad. And so, you know, sometimes that's talking with tenants, figuring that out. Um, you know, it's putting together new leases if we need to mm -hmm. do that or finding new tenants. And so it's, it's a lot of that. And it's also a lot of just kind of upkeep on like little things here and there. So fun. And, and there has been a huge <clears throat> amount of transition as it would happen in any place. So I'm sure that's a constant um, just turn over in who fits and how they market themselves. And so do you meet regularly with the tenants or how do you service? What does that involve? I mean, obviously if they're plumbing and septic has a problem, you fix that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. And, and really it's, uh, we try and stay really high level when it comes to um, helping out the tenants. Um, you know, we try not to jump in and have to change light bulbs, things like that. Cause you know, those are pretty straightforward and, they need um, to be grown-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've yeah. got, you know, just make sure that they're, they've got everything. But, yeah, if there's any structural things, if there's any septic things, you know, septic, electrical, uh, things like that, we usually jump in and we, you know, we've got our contractors that we work with and, um, you know, we just jump in and help them out with those and we try and make sure that everything's running smoothly. Um, we've had some weird issues that were like, like, why would that happen? And, um, and so I've learned a lot about building code and, buildings and septic mm -hmm, and electrical mm -hmm. and all that stuff and how that stuff works um, just from helping out tenants because, you know, a new problem pops up and I'm like, I don't know why this happened this way. So, um, yeah, we just have to get to the root of it and then we figure it out and move forward. So if that's kind of one of the things that you do and then like you were just saying, sort of all the things that could fall into your day. But if we were to ask <laughs> any one of your four children that are all under the age of 10, which I can only say for a couple <laughs> more days, what do you think they would say you do? Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they'd say. Um, I mean, probably the things that stand out is the the bakery and the ice cream. So they probably think... <laughs> They're they're completely obsessed with food, so like for the most part, that's probably all they think I do is sit at work and eat ice cream. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure one of my children has said that before. Like, well, you just sit at work and eat ice cream. Like, well, yeah, I want that I, job. I, exactly. <laughs> I do a little more than that. Follow in your footsteps. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they, you know, that's part of it. They just kind of see the the aspects that they interact with. Yeah. Um, so. So let's talk about what it looks like for somebody who has a degree in so engineering, but what type of engineering was that? Yeah, my, my degree was in mechanical engineering. Mechan so how does that thought process translate into owning a business that has so many different components? Does that come into play at all, or is it just a whole new skill set? No, it definitely comes into play. I mean, I would say uh, engineering, one of the reasons my dad and I, like when we were kind of figuring out, when I was figuring out what I want to do for a career, my dad said, well, you're good in math and sciences. Um, you know, we should interview a mechanical engineer and see if that's a good fit for you. Um, because the important thing that engineering teaches you is critically thinking and problem solving. Mm. Um, and whether you're doing electrical engineering, mechanical, civil, like, Everything you're doing as an engineer is really just problem solving. You're trying to figure out how do I make this do what I want it to do, and then they give you the tools to connect those dots. Um, so as an overarching theory, engineering helps in almost any field that you're, you work in, which is partially why my dad thought it would be a good fit, because even if mechanical engineering didn't pan out as the thing I ended up with, I could then take those skills and apply them to business or whatever else I want to do. So... Um, yeah, so I think overall, like, they really help when it comes to problem solving stuff like that. It's like breaking down a problem 
So you get that aerial view and mm-hmm. then can, yeah, my husband has a good brain for that. And I'm, I always start from the smallest thing and work outwards. And it's not always effective and it's not very good in a managerial <laughs> position, but that's why you're the owner. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can fix Penny's question machines too. Yeah, I mean, right. the skill set just keeps going and going. <laughs> Um, so this past year, um, because you've owned the marketplace for what, a year and a half now? Mm-hmm. Um, so most of your time being an owner was during COVID. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what that looked like for the business and for you and also how has it been going and, and maintaining and what have you done that's been effective or, or not done that's been effective? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it was definitely, you know, we took over the marketplace officially on November 1st of 2019. Um, we had a great Christmas season, hit January, slowed down just like normal. Uh, February Glass Quest was that, at the time, that Glass Quest was by far the biggest. Like, every year Glass Quest grows a little bit, but like this, that year of 2020, that Glass Quest was way bigger than we've ever had it. Um, like every business in the area was like, that was a crazy glass quest. So we got through that and we're like, wow, this is going to be a great year. Like we're all set up. Like January was pretty good, but then February was great. And now we're moving into March and then, uh, you know, March, uh, of 2020 was going to be the launch date of our juice bar. So March 1st of 2020, we launched our juice bar, started kicking out marketing for it. And a couple weeks into that, um, like we started hearing, you know, well, I guess prior to that, you start hearing these rumblings of different things going on, but I don't know, you... Yeah, when it comes to world news, like you hear about so many different things and there's so many conspiracy theories out there and so many different like things that are going on in the world that like I a lot of times I kind of just drown it out. And I'm like, well, That's... but they're all true because they're on TV. Right. right. I mean, yes. <laughs> or Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was something that, you know, I was I wasn't really aware. Like I we had heard a little bit about it, but I was like, it's probably not really even going to hit us over here. That's over in China. Um, and it kept spreading and there more countries were having being affected. Um, and of course, most people know Washington was one of the first states to really get hit because we we're, you know, kind of the first airport that most people that are traveling from Asia, mm-hmm. um, they come into see, fly into Seattle. So like our we were kind of ground zero for the out for the beginning of that. Um, and so, you know, it did start hitting. And then, um, you know, I live in Mount Vernon so that, you know, there was a church there that that was another big like news. It made national news of like an outbreak that happened in mm-hmm. a church, you know, down the road from us. So like it started hitting a lot faster than I guess I expected it to. Um, actually, both that and then Stanwood also had a big outbreak that made national news. So like there was all these different things that were hitting and I was like, oh, I guess this is going to really happen. And then the first couple weeks of it. Uh, when they were like, okay, like this is a thing, like try and be safe and wash hands and everything. We were still staying, we dropped a little bit, but like it wasn't substantial. And I was like, great, like, you know, this is going to ride out for about a month and then we'll probably pick right up where we left off. Um, And then they did the full shutdown, the, Mm -hmm. um, where everyone was supposed to stay indoors, stay home, uh, don't leave the house, all of that. And um, obviously that was when we, it really hit like, oh, this is, something bigger than I thought it was, and it's not just going to go away. Um, was there a fear element uh, for your staff in this process? It was an interesting, um, it was really interesting, I think, dealing with, uh, working with the team on that, because um, the fear element was much more on the effects of what COVID was, because nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, uh, many of our people were just like, you know, we have a, we employ a lot of, uh, high schoolers. Um, and then we employ a lot of people that are more or older. Mm-hmm. And so our demographic, you know, our older, um, staff members, we're like, you know, we don't know what's going on. If you guys want to stay home, like we, this obviously is not holding anything against you. Like if you don't feel safe, I don't want you right. to come into work for that. And they were at higher risk <clears throat> and they you were know, at higher yeah. risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of our team did that. And then on the younger side, you know, you've got parents. So the parents are worried. So then they're like, well, we don't really want you working right now. Oh, interesting. Um, And so we're like, yeah, totally understand. Like, we'll figure it out. So um, for a good few weeks there, um, uh, I mean, business crawled to a screeching halt. Um, Mm -hmm. Like there was nothing, nobody coming in the store. Um, And um, so we were were basically operating with uh, myself 
and um, our, you know, head baker, Barry, and then uh, one of our espresso bar, you know, one of our baristas. Um, and it was just us three that were in the building, and it was completely empty. Um, we had blocked off all the other aisles, so if people came in, they could come in just for the essential stuff, and then they had to leave right away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we did, were able to kick on uh, online ordering, but that was pretty low, because, uh, you know, a lot of people were still not used to it at that point. Right. Um, our system wasn't super well equipped for all of it. So we were making it work, but it wasn't great the way it was all working out. So Yeah, because um, it's not like you have a drive through window that's already in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think some p- people survived because they had a drive through mm-hmm. already in place. But there's no place for that here. So you were having to schlep it out <laughs> by <coughs> hand to the curb like the, yep. like the old, what, a roller derby? You need <laughs> roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we had that, and um, so that's what we were doing. We were running orders in and out of the door. We were waiting for phone calls. We'd answer the phone, then run out the door, um, and um, yeah. So we—that's how we were kind of operating during that beginning time of of COVID. And um, like I said, it was like we just crawled to a screeching halt. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely like I had a lot of conversations with different people during that time of just like, okay, so what happens if, like this lasts so long that we run out of funds. Like, what does that look like? And, um, so, you know, actually kind of doing a lot of, um, deep diving and thinking of like, what does bankruptcy look like and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Engineering mind is going to be working overtime. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and, and this is, um, you know, I think the thing about like fear is, uh, it's always fear of the unknown. Mm. And so if you kind of break through and like, okay, what does this actually look like if we, this happens, uh, and you actually start going down that road and you kind of go through that whole path of mm. like, this is the worst case scenario. This is what it looks like. Um, it does actually bring a lot more comfort to like, okay, they can't kick you out on the street. They can't take away all of your cars. Uh, you know, you go down to zero, but you're at zero. Mm-hmm. Like you're not negative all that. There you're you go. zero. So like, it's something where you get back to ground zero and you're like, okay, I can build myself back up. If this is the worst case scenario and I get put in this situation, I can find a way out of it. And so that was something that was kind of like coming to that realization and then like, how do we do that and how do we make sure, how do we do the best job we can so that that doesn't happen, but yeah. also knowing if it does happen, we'll make it through. We'll survive as a family, we'll mm-hmm. survive as a community and everything like that. So does Brittany, your wife, process that same way or did was she coming from a different perspective? I mean, how, what did that look like at home? I mean, that's got to be, here you are, little kids in your house, you're, you know, Let's buy a whole new business and welcome the pandemic. I mean, what a mm-hmm. great way to start a whole new career, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think at home it was, um, I mean, first of all, I wasn't home a lot because uh, it was just me. Like I said, it was three of us that were mm-hmm. working the whole floor and mm-hmm. everything that was going on. So during the day, I was sitting there on the floor making, you know, if any customers came in, you know, serving them and working and doing that. Um, so then I spent a lot of late nights at the shop where I was filling out. There was all these um, grants and assistance that mm. were coming out. Um, but all of those things always take a long time. And there's so much paperwork and all this different stuff. Um, so a lot of my e- nights and evenings were working at the shop just once it was closed. So once it was closed, <clears throat> I'd be jumping in and trying to fill out the paperwork for these different things to try and make us stay, you yeah. know, help us stay afloat. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what it was. And so, you know, a lot of late nights, um, you know, she would come down with the kids sometimes. We would just eat dinner inside so the good. marketplace. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, there was just a lot, you know, she, <clears throat> um, just kind of clicked into like overdrive and just, you know, it's like, okay, like we don't, <laughs> we don't have Brandon to help out around the house right now. So like, you know, that's us, like the kids, there was a, there was some stepping up by the kids that Brittany like put more on them. Like, Hey, you guys are now doing this. You're old Mm -hmm. enough to start doing this. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of all around the family kind of had to work together and like moving forward and making sure that things around the house were still getting done. And, um, you know, so there was definitely just kind of a team effort in in the family as well. So good. And Brittany has a good business sense about her as well. So I'm sure she Mm -hmm. was totally in your court. Mm -hmm. So jumping from there to now, like, Mm -hmm. so at that point, only people could come and get the essentials and leave. And we only had three team members and then jump to this weekend, which was, you know, filled with people all the time. So um, what did that year kind of look like and and how's the business doing? Yeah. So what was um, 
what was neat in seeing with with everything that happened around COVID, um, I've talked to a lot of different people, a lot of nonprofits, um, you know, people from the um, like Josephine's. I've talked with people from the food bank, um, and one of the things that has really stood out in this community is that the community really came together during mm. COVID. Um, there were so many people that were younger that were willing to volunteer um, and help out. And, you know, there was a lot of donations that came in and things like that. So a lot of the, like, essentials, like the food bank and stuff, um, have had overwhelming support for during this time. And I feel like that's been reflected on the businesses as well. So Mm. once we started reopening, you know, they finally released the phases, like, this is what we're going to do to get out of this. Um, And so they released the phases one through four. And Island County was fortunate enough to really, we breezed through phase one, phase two, and phase three. And we got into phase three by the time they put a freeze on all phase changes, um, which was very unfortunate that, uh, you know, at the time, Stanwood was kind of stuck with Snohomish and wherever they went, Stanwood went. And Snohomish wasn't doing very well, but Stanwood was doing great at that time. Mm. Like, um, But they, they, you know, weren't willing to separate those. They were just overwhelmed already from a governmental perspective. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to make exceptions to the rules. Um, so they kept Stanwood in phase two, which really hindered where, what they could do. Um, and so we were able to, you know, Kamena was in phase three. So we were able to have inside seating again. We were able to do order in and people were able to hang out in our, um, in our store and stuff. So we saw a lot of people that came up and would come and hang out and eat here in this area, um, uh, because they were allowed to actually eat inside. And that's what people yeah. were really craving at that time. Yeah. Um, and so we saw a big uptick in business once we were able to hit into phase three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the remainder of that year, I think people weren't allowed to travel, uh, you know, or at least it was highly discouraged. Um, and, you know, people, so instead of spending $500, $1,000 on a vacation, they were doing these day trips to different areas. We and, ate. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and you had ice cream and cookies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think a lot of people just kind of took their money that they would have put towards a vacation and said, well, let's just go have a fun day on Camino. Mm -hmm. Um, Or let's go do a fun trip in, you know, some of these more rural towns that they wouldn't necessarily have gone to visit. And so um, Camino got hit pretty hard with all of that in a good way. Like we Mm -hmm. we had a lot of business from local Washingtonians who who had never been on the island and never known that we existed. And so um, that went over really well and we were staying really busy during that. And then, um, you know, we had a great, we did, uh, it wasn't like a full shutdown again. It was just like a, let's stop doing eating inside again as we mm-hmm. hit winter and they mm-hmm. did the whole open air thing. Um, but even during that time, like we stayed pretty busy and then we had a great, uh, Christmas season again. Um, and then jumping into this year, 2021, uh, you know, with restrictions, so what they were and everything happening, like we didn't know we were to kind of end up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it seems like community has really rallied and, um, so we've been, been really, really busy. And, and like what Emily was saying, like this last weekend, we were, um, we were really, really busy. It was a crazy weekend. It was like a summer weekend, but it was in April. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I actually heard that part of that was due to the fact that we were actually not the like main tulip guide, but we were in one of the references of the tulip oh, guide that's great. that like, Hey, check out Camino, like. Um, I think it was part of the Whidbey Island, Whidbey Camino Tourism Group that mm-hmm. put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think for the first time ever, like we don't normally really see a big uptick in April other than like it's getting nicer and people are out, right. but not like a big uptick. I mm-hmm. think we actually are seeing some of the tulip traffic uh, come through here. Love it. Um, so um, yeah. So anyways, I think in that sense, like we're we're looking really good. We're, you know, we're hitting new numbers and stuff like that. We're, we're really busy. We're just trying to now manage that now. Like mm-hmm. how do we make things mm-hmm. more efficient? Mm-hmm. How do we efficient make, you know, production more efficient? Um, how do we customer management all of this? Um, yeah. How do we get new team members on and train fast enough? So um, they're all good problems to have, but it's like we ran out of ice cream last weekend. And so like Ooh, we was ouch. running to ice cream, you it know, was so to, warm too. Yeah, it was for beautiful. several days in a row. That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I was just ordering like we had been doing through March and February, like just a little bit here and there, and then we got hit. So, um, you know, like I said, all good problems to have. It's you know, we're just hitting like we're just really busy. So it's now it's like oh, we're summer came early, so now we got to like act like it's summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so yeah. So I watched the both of you, Brandon and Emily. Um, I'm painting away at the loft, and quite often. 
I turn around and you're interviewing a new employee. So what, the, what I love about the commons is the, the atmosphere of the people who work here. Um, they're always courteous. It's just a really upbeat, fun vibe. What, when you're hiring, do you look for that keeps that going? What are the things, the main things that you look for? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of reading and trying to, you know, uh, listening to different books and stuff about hiring and, and all of that. And what's the important things. Um, and so, um, when we're bringing on new team members, um, one of the things that my dad started, um, and it's just kind of, we continue that as we've moved forward is that, um, you know, my dad's businesses were all pretty small in the beginning and he kind of continued that mentality of like this very small family run business. Um, and so even when we would bring in new people, um, it was still like they were family within the business and they kind of treat each other, you know, they would hang out outside, they would celebrate birthdays outside of the business. Um, and, um, so within the marketplace, that was kind of the spirit of walking into it of, you know, again, we had a much smaller team back then, probably like 10 to 12 people. And, um, they all knew each other really well. They would all hang out after work. And so they really had this like family, mm. um, feeling to them when, when they were doing things. And so like, if someone called in sick, like someone was volunteering to jump in and work that shift for them because that was, you know, they knew them, they knew that mm -hmm. they were sick and it was much mm -hmm. more personal. Um, and so we've tried to keep that spirit you know, now we have over 25 team members here. And um, which we try and keep that spirit, though. So when we're bringing someone on, we're really bringing on someone like, do we think they would fit well within the context of our team? And do we feel like they will go the extra mile for their other team members? Cool. Um, so there's a lot of different aspects that we look at when we're doing that. But the, the other thing that I've, we've tried to tie together within all of that is really bringing together our mission statement. Um, so the mission statement at the marketplace is uh, to bring joy to the Camino Island community through food, service, and drink. Hmm. Um, because that's what we've the, – the Camino Island Coffee Roasters has had a really big mission um, in helping the farmers that grow the coffee. And they donate money, a percentage of their sales are, are, um, to these farmers to make sure that they're getting a living wage and that they're wow. be able to do what they – you know, grow the coffee and be sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is such a big mission that they've taken on and worked on. Um, and the marketplace was one that was a secondary company to that. So, um, you know, as that, when they were one company, they did contribute to that because they were all under one house, but upon the, the purchasing and splitting off of the companies that as much as we support that with what we're in buying the coffee and things like that, that wasn't our direct mission because mm -hmm. that wasn't our direct feedback to the, uh, you know, to our company, um, we were not donating dollars that we made right. to them. We were purchasing the coffee. Um, and so I really wanted to see what is the mission of the marketplace. And we've got so many different aspects too. It wasn't one faceted of like, it's just coffee or it's just bakery or it's just, um, gifts. It was so many different facets. Like what is really the overarching umbrella of what the marketplace is here for? Hmm. Um, and so in that kind of deep dive, um, came to that realization of like that is what our mission is is to bring joy to the Camino Island community through what we do um and because the people that come to the marketplace we are very fortunate that we work in a in a business that people come to the marketplace because they want to come to the mm -hmm. marketplace mm -hmm. um we don't work at the DOL uh we don't work at the you know different stores where like the only reason they're there is because they have to be there right they're coming in um to, to get something they're enjoying. They want to mm -hmm. get a cup of coffee and a nice pastry. They want to buy gifts for somebody um, or for their own house. You know, they're coming in for a positive reason. Um, and it's kind of their escape. Like, we don't know what their background is. They might be coming to a, they might be going off to a job that they really don't like. Mm -hmm. um, but they're, they get to stop by and get a pastry and coffee before work. And every day that is what they look forward to because then they have to go off to a job they don't like. Some tomato comfort. Yeah. <laughs> And so we want to provide that spark of joy in their life, whether that's just that one little interaction that we get to have with them. And, and so that's what we try and overarching, that's the overarching theme of what we try and do here at the marketplace. I love that. So. I, I was um, talking to three ladies who, uh, two of them were helping the third who had just moved here. And they were, they were saying, oh, we are coming back, you know, and had nothing. It was just 
you can feel it here that it's just a welcoming place and it's a place you can call home and you know your home away from your Wi-Fi that works. Your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's great that it can be that place for the community, you know, mm-hmm. and that you're building into that. And you said mm-hmm. it was kind of like a something that you looked into seriously as you were building the company and bringing that on. So what is something else, COVID aside, um, that surprised you, maybe surprised you the most about owning a business? Like maybe because obviously you've seen kind of the business grow up and you've worked next door at the roasters before in high school and all of that. So you've been very familiar with the whole business, but what part of being an owner or of what you do now or looking at it for the future is the biggest surprise for you? Um, as far as biggest surprise, I feel like we were pretty well um, prepared from an outside perspective in getting into the business. Um, actually, I think the best comparison I can think of right now is kind of like uh, marriage or having kids. Like before you get married or you have kids, you read all the books, you talk to a lot of people, <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh it's not that hard. All you do is this, this, and this. And when the baby's not sleeping, you do this, and then they sleep. So, like, it's so easy. You just follow the steps, and there you go. Um, and so that's kind of what we, I would say, we did. But we did get to have somewhat of a trial run because I was the general manager of the marketplace. I really knew everything that we were doing mm-hmm. and how it was running and how our team functioned and everything like that. So the benefit there is I didn't have to step into a company I didn't know anything about that I was jumping into right. and trying to now operate. Um, so it all from a like big surprises, there wasn't necessarily a big surprise. It's just really coming to that understanding of like within the company, it's like anything that happens, like the buck stops with you. Um, and everything is your fault. Uh, I, you know, I've always been a proponent of people taking responsibility for their own mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I've tried to do within myself and within like when I'm with my kids or whatever. Mm. Um, if I overreact, I try and apologize to them, like, to, to all levels, and I feel like that mm-hmm. is, um, you know, but within the company, like, it, even if it's, like, someone's, you know, the lowest level, someone, like, overreacts to a customer or something like that, um, that still reflects on me, and that reflects on my training and mm. my managers and my, like, it, but it all flows back up to me, like, it was, it's my fault that that interaction did not go the way mm. I wanted it to, mm-hmm. um, or should have gone, and so... In that, it's like understanding all of that and making sure that like, yeah, I have the ability to, you know, direct the ship whatever way I want to, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but I have to take ownership in that and do that and step forward and take action on that too. So So if, I mean, I'm sure there's never, ever any team member conflict ever, you know, Mm -hmm. but if there were, (laughs) (laughs) Hypothetically. hypothetically, how do you go about resolving that kind of thing? I mean, you put, you put that many teenagers together in one room and there's got to be emotions flying. (laughs) Yeah, no. And we've, we've had a fair share of um, different drama things that happen throughout the marketplace. Um, But I would say we do have, like we have a pretty good foundation for what we're looking for in our team and what Mm -hmm. we expect from our team members. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a no gossip policy, which means any complaint or thing, if you can't resolve it with the person you're having an issue with, that Mm -hmm. complaint has to flow upwards. If it doesn't, that's gossip. And so, wow, that's you know, good. That, that's a good life. I mean, write that down, put it on the billboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, what you know, if we have that issue, or if that's been an issue, or if someone does bring something to our attention as managers, we do take the time to go through all of that and sit down and figure out what's going on, why do we think this started, and then move from there. And then we sit down with the appropriate parties, and if a lot of times that's sitting down with both parties and saying, okay, this is what's kind of going on. Mm. What, you know, how can we resolve this? Um, you know, we try and gather as much information as we can. Um, so we're prepared for that conversation. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just a matter of like making sure that each conversation is, um, that, that people, and we've had a handful of times where people have come from different levels, um, even all the way from the bottom again, um, so like people that are just on at the counter and they come up to me and they say, Hey, this is what we're seeing. This is an issue we're having. Mm. Um, and so I always try and reaffirm like, this is great. Like, I'm glad you guys came to me because I don't want anyone to feel like, um, well, I can't bring, this isn't that big of a deal or I can't bring this attention to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time that's happened, we just, we work through it, we resolve it. And, and then, you know, 
the this is where we realize like when it comes to gossip or things like that like it gets so dirty so quickly mm-hmm. and it can cause so many different side problems very quickly down the road yeah. um so people that aren't even related to a, pro- a problem can suddenly get wind of it and all of a sudden they're unhappy and yeah. so like it goes so fast that if you don't deal with it quickly and um open like with those the party members right then it can cause like a lot of additional drama um, when you guys are just trying to get job done and work as a team, it's really hard to work as a team if you feel like someone's stabbing you in the back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what I see in the, you know, as I'm up there just painting away and observing is, is that you do have, um, I had a boss who had kind of a no complaint policy. If you have a complaint, you have to come with, you have to be part of the solution. Um, otherwise, keep it to yourself. You know, come, come with solutions, come ready to be part of the solution. And I see that a lot at the commons and that, and um, I think that speaks really well to your leadership style and and what you foster. And so I'm just gonna make you, you know, embarrass you in in front of the whole island community here. So that um, it's been fun to watch you as a leader to respect people, you're a good listener. And um, so in, in that, as people come in who are new, how do you encourage people to, I mean, you have the regulars, you know, the, the people we know first names, but there's also the atmosphere of, hey, you're new, where are you from? How do you foster that? Do you teach that? Or is that just the type of people you hire or? Um, a lot of that comes from the, uh, I would say that comes from the, the managers and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. like Jen, I know she does a lot of like when she's talking with the team members, I see her training the new ones on uh, whether it's barista or ice cream, whatever. Um, but when she notices they're not doing certain things, like not in a confrontational way, she just says, hey, just next time you see and, you know, you get a, a weird phone number for our reward system, like ask them, hey, that's an area code I don't recognize. Where's that? Where are you from? Awesome. Um, or just mm-hmm. talking with the people. And, you, you know, a lot of those skills you kind of learn over time um, if you are that type to kind of pick those up. But she tries to encourage them in that. Mm. And, um so, you know, I think that happens a lot by the managers and people that are doing the training and stuff. That's so cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it also has to do with, um, like you're saying, just um, paying attention and bringing that moment of joy to people. And mm. I think that when people feel that they're being paid attention to and invested in, um, that they can get that. So, yeah, in Espresso, it's that. Or in gift shop, you know, you see them putting together a gift. You know, oh, is this for you know, who, who is this for or this and that, or, um, oh, I got that for my niece too. Or, you know, somebody who's buying, um, like the, the magnets and the Camino things. It's like, oh, well, are you visiting? Are you, is this your first time here? You know, and people, um, feel cared about. And I think that that's a huge thing, mm-hmm. um, that again comes from how you, how you communicate and then who you hire as well. So yeah. that speaks to, to you also. Um, one uh, question that I had for you personally. Um, <laughs> she is, knows you well, so she can dig deep. <laughs> is what is something about the marketplace that you wish people knew? So maybe something, I can't even think of what it would be, but is there something that you love about the marketplace or some kind of hidden thing that you think people should know? Hmm, that's a hard question. Um, that's a good question. Um, is there a specific thing? Um, I mean, really, I want, I mean, I'd love to have more people experience the marketplace. Um, one of the things that I've always done if I go to a, you know, I used to go to, <laughs> used to go, um, <laughs> I don't have time anymore. No, um, uh, but I go to like uh, Seaside, Oregon, and um, Cannon Beach, and you go to those areas. And you get to go in these really fun, eclectic shops that have, you know, cool toys or weird candies or all sorts of weird things. And um, that was always like one of my favorite things as a kid. I don't know if anyone has gone to Long Beach, Washington, but they have the uh, Ye Old Museum mm-hmm. down there or, or Ye Old Curiosity Shop. Yeah. And they have all sorts of fun things throughout that shop. And that used to be one of my favorite shops to go in as a kid. Um, and, um, you know, if you ask my wife, like when we go to on a vacation, like I'm always looking for those types of stores that have, um, pastries, espresso, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, neat little gifts and things like that. Cause those are always the things that like interest me. So, you know, within the marketplace, I try and 
Um, you know, Christy has been our buyer for many, many years, and she does a fantastic job in that. And so that, you know, she's been able to continue that with what she buys and brings in. Um, and, um, you know, I think that is kind of the spirit that we're going for. So, like, the penny machine is part of that. Like, mm-hmm. having something that you can remember, a little token that you can take home and uh, remember your time at Kameno. Um, we've got some fun shirts that we've got designs that we're coming out with. Um, and we've got... So we're always just trying to add little little things to, to add to your experience here at the marketplace, here on Kameno Island, because, um, you know, we think it's a great special spot, and um, there's still a lot of people that don't know about it, and so uh, trying to get that out. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I don't know if that I have an exact answer, but I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think the importance of our, our mission statement is, is important. Um, yeah. It's something that we try and share with everyone in our interviews and things like that. Um, but it's not something necessarily that people know within uh, the community. It's not something that we like plaster on the wall um, because we feel like the mission statement is our mission to achieve. And um, But, you know, still, it's, it's nice to get that out there as well. Yeah. If you, if money were no object, this is one of my favorite questions to listen to people answer. Um, if money were no object and you had all the resources in the world, COVID didn't exist, <laughs> what, what do you dream of doing? What are some dreams that you have for the commons and what it can be here? Um, I, I would say just in general, like really one of the things that we're able to do because of where we're at in the company and stuff is, um, like we're, we're, everything has been growing and, and doing well. Um, you know, I'm still trying to learn finances and stuff like that better to better manage and budget and things like that. Um, so that's still working on. Um, but as we do that, really it's kind of seeing what can we do to kind of pour back into the team as well. Um, so what little things can we add? Like we just recently added, um, you know, a week of vacation to our um, team members. And mm. it, it's not a lot. You know, you can still go to most other companies and get a lot more than what we can offer because um, we're still a small company and small business. But we just try and see what things can we augment to try and make it a little bit better for our team members that mm-hmm. we have here at the marketplace. Um, and so that's one of the things that my wife is really big on um, and I've been big on is is just, you know, we've been blessed a lot. How do we kind of give back to the team members that are helping us move this forward. So cool. I love that because I honestly expected you to say, hey, we're going to do something in the ice cream area or whatever. And it went back to people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about the commons um, is that attitude that you have, that mm-hmm. your dreams are for people, not not for things or stuff. I, that's better answer than I thought I would get out of that. So well done. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it is time for some rapid fire questions mm, for Brandon. Okay. Um, okay. So you have 24 hours and can do absolutely anything. Like money, again, is no object. Um, love this world that we're living in, by the yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just paint this out. <laughs> right? So you have 24 hours. You can do anything, go anywhere. What do you choose to do? Um, do, do, do. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to go visit, uh, like, Japan. Um, I'm South Korean, so I'd love to go back and visit South Korea mm-hmm. sometime. Um, so, really, those two places would be great. Um, I mean, I haven't really done, actually, I've done none, really, exploring in Asia as far as travels go and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I think, I do think that I'm, uh, like, there's certain things about, like, Europe, like Spain, because I'm really into soccer. My favorite team's Real Madrid. So, like, I want to mm-hmm. go see a game there. I want to go visit Spain. Um, but, like, that, I have a lot stronger, I would say, connection to, like, Asia and the cultures there. And, like, I'd really like to learn more about them and kind of dive deeper into that um, because, you know, I think we are, you know, we're Western European in our culture. Uh, you know, we've evolved, obviously, into a new culture. But a lot of our culture tendencies and stuff like that come from Europe. Right. Um, when you look at some of the Asian, like South Korean, or especially Japan, Japan is a, a great example of this, the cultural norms and different things that they've developed and stuff, they were an island off, you know, China and, and like not really interacted with much um, mm-hmm. until really a, like not so long ago. So like culturally, they developed all these different things that were based on their culture of just them not being invaded, not being, you know, affected by outside. So you know, when I've heard people talk about Japan and their culture and different things like that, like they're just like 
as a European, like from our cultural background, would never have thought to interact that way on whatever that thing is. So um, I'd love to visit them. Um, you know, I was a big Pokemon avid fan as a kid. So did that, that come out of Japan? Yeah, I, I was. I'm not a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite. Like we had the Balina. <laughs> A little different, little different, a little, little different world here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, a lot of the like kids shows, childhood stuff, um, were um, you know Japanese based and stuff. So uh, you know, I think it'd be great to go visit there, and um, also South Korea, just because that's Fine. my background. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second rapid fire question: If you could have a do over of anything, any any time in your life, any I mean, can be little, big. What would you give yourself a do over <clears throat> for? Hmm. Dangling participle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, this probably goes back to the whole sci-fi thing, but um, I feel like there is a lot of uh, this question gets asked. Um, there's different ways to ask the question, but I think if you look at because of like the butterfly effect and things like that, like it's almost like if I went back and changed or did over something, like Mm -hmm. what if that's the one thing that changes things? So the life Mm -hmm. isn't what it is now. And Mm -hmm. so it's really hard to like go back and say, this is the one thing I would have changed. I mean, I, I, I think we went over a little bit in my uh, interview with my wife, but like our, like the times we met in life prior to actually starting dating and then getting married, um, were so weird and the, the interactions were weird. Like everything was weird about how that all went down. You weren't this Casanova smooth guy. <laughs> of course. That, I mean, that's, that's what she was trying to Of course, right. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that, like, even that, like I'm look back at that, I'm like, man, how would I, I don't know how I would, like, there's no way I would have wanted that to go differently because it ended the way it did. That's awesome. Um, so it's really hard to really say like, there's a do over moment. Love that. So. That, you know, and there's such a element of um, thankfulness enveloped in that answer that is so important. I, you know, you have kids and it's like, yeah, that was hard. And they their life was at risk. I think one of your children, super mm-hmm. high risk. But you just cherish them more and it becomes a richer experience. It's like, yeah, you're a miracle. And you can that can be part of their history that... Yeah, I wish you hadn't had to go through that, but you did, and look, you know, mm-hmm. you're you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what's rapid fire question number three? The next one is carabiners. What are your thoughts? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, carabiners were a big part of my life when I was in pre-middle school through high school. Um, and, um, yeah, they, they're great. They do... Um, they can do whatever you need them to do. They can hold your keys. They can help you climb. They can. Um, They're you know. a fashion piece. I've yeah. heard. Yeah, mm. they do. They do a little mm. bit of everything. So, is, is there a selective process to finding a good carabiner? Uh, Are there levels of carabiners? There, there were different types. Yeah, there, I mean, there's different different qualities of, of yeah. carabiners. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, carabiners are great. They, um, <laughs> they be big part of my life. Thank you. So you recently went to Alaska mm-hmm. and had no running water, no... Was there electricity? No. There was a, uh, a generator that we forgot to fill up with gas, so we only got, like, a couple hours of electricity. And so, yeah. Is there anything from that experience of just being able to unplug that you would love to implement in your life right now? Um... I don't know. That's, it's one of those things. So I'm like, I've always been a very like technology based person. Like I love technology. I love what it can do. Um, I get super excited when the next level of technology gets evolves and comes out. Um, and like, that's what I like look at researching and everything like that, which is why when my wife says like, we should live off the grid, I'm like, never. (laughs) Um, Not fun. Not fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I like doing, like, little stints. I don't mind doing stints of that where, like, doing camping trips or things like that. Um, you know, we like doing that as a family, too, because it reconnects us, refocuses us a little bit. Um, and um, so, I, you know, I enjoy doing those types of things. Um, and I think that's important to disconnect at different times. Um, but I'm not on the bandwagon of, like, all social media, all <laughs> technology is evil and it should be banished from this world because uh, I really enjoy it and, you know. Um, so I, I would say like 
Um, I do think slowing down is important. I think, um, you know, having those times in nature is, is really important as well, where you get to just connect with people and, and nature and things like that. Um, but, you know, I'm not like any sort of like big advocate of anti-technology type stuff. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so you mentioned briefly soccer and Real Madrid specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite thing about soccer, your favorite moment of soccer, or when <clears throat> you're playing, what do you like about it? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, this is what I enjoy about a lot of different aspects of like, whether it's video games or card games or soccer or things like that, is I feel like I have a fairly adaptive personality um, which will probably go away as I get older, but you know, as, as now I, <laughs> we'll wait for that. um, and so I do enjoy, uh, like pitting myself against other people in a com- competitive way. Um, I'm, uh, despite being a little bit more of a laid back or like quiet personality at times, um, I, when I get into a game, like I'm really want to be competitive. Um, and I, I never expect myself to be at a professional level of anything. Um, but just in the high, like below that, like high competitiveness, um, so like with soccer, like every action or interaction that you have on the field is really a, um, even though it's a team effort, it's a team sport. It is a, um, especially if you like work as a defender or something like that, like you end up, it's you versus the person that's coming at you with the ball. And, you know, <laughs> I've always enjoyed that, like playing a game where like the first 10 interactions with a, some, an attacker that's going to try and get past you, like they get past you with ease. And then on the 11th time, you figure it out and you stop them. And then like as the game progresses, like if they can't evolve, you stop them and you stop them. And like they eventually mm. get frustrated because they can't figure out why they can't do what they just did a bunch of times to you already. There's that engineering problem solving <laughs> mine right there. Exactly. I can figure this out. <laughs> it goes into soccer too. <laughs> uh, that would never cross my mind. So. It's like, how can I keep from getting killed? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy that. I, I do enjoy the team sport aspect of it. Um, I, I'm competitive, but not to the exclusion of excluding others Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and so like you know when we we have a you know a free play open play type thing that uh tobin who is also on the podcast puts together and when we play there like it's not about the competition it's about just having fun including everyone and enjoying the game um and so when we do that like you know you just pass you know especially um growing up i saw a lot of it where you'd play in these games um and even now like if you play in like leagues and stuff like that like, if someone's not performing well, you just stop passing to them, and they just ignore that person. And so they're just standing on the field, and when we play these, you know, these open games, we just pass to everyone. And if someone misses the ball 20 times, you pass them for another time. Like, you just keep going because it's, so it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, uh, so, you know, I, I think there's a balance there as well. Yeah. So... I'm turning the tables is going to be really fun right now. So tourists coming on the island for the first time, and there's a big billboard. Mm-hmm. What would you put on that billboard? Um, I don't know. It's, like it's a hard one. It's a hard question. Side or the <laughs> parking side. <laughs> there's always the like. Stop by the marketplace. Okay, there's already a marketplace <laughs> billboard when you come on the island, hypothetically. Right. So if there's already one for the marketplace, what's the other one that you? The put? sage advice. Of- yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think just I mean, there's a lot of ones that have come out throughout the podcast that have been really good. I think, um, yeah. I mean, kind of like unplug, relax, mm-hmm. enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just. You know, the island allows you to kind of have that. Like, you can go walk on Barnum Point, and there's uh, the state parks, and there's Iverson Beach, and there's just great spots where you can just go and just enjoy. And, uh, you know, I think Barnum Point's great because you can, as you walk through the trails, like, you forget that you're not that far away from the highway right there, but like, it feels like you can stop and it's just quiet. Mm. Um, so, um, I always enjoyed that growing up on Camino. Uh, as a kid, I was able to do that, like, in our property. Um, I could go into the forest a little bit and then just like stop and listen. I'm like, you couldn't hear anything, no cars, mm. no anything. And so, um, you know, I do, I think that's an important aspect that, you know, if you grew up in a city or stuff like that, like I grew, I lived in a college town, I lived in a city, like you don't actually get to just stop and not hear anything. Like you very rarely get that. So, yeah. Great. Well, thanks, Brandon. It's been a pleasure to interview you. It's been great grilling you. And, and this is great. I, Better than I thought it would go. I, it's just fun to learn about who you are and what your thought process is. And yeah, yeah, thanks for the honor. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys.
All right. And Islanders, I'll talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to myself for joining me and, my, and myself on the podcast. And thank you to Lydia and Emily for interviewing me on this one. Uh, for more information on this episode, you can go to KaminoCommons.com slash EP91. That's KaminoCommons.com slash EP91. Thanks for listening and see you next time.